Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Dr. Ivan Meisner, founder of BNI. Hey, it's Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour. Hey, this is Omar Zenom from the $100 MBA Show. And if you want to learn how to network effectively, if you want to learn to become profitably unemployable, if you want to get the rundown on how I built my inner circle, you should be listening to Build Your Network. Build Your Network. Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. Travis Chapel. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another compilation episode here on the Build Your Network podcast. We are currently in the middle of a series about mentorship and masterminds, and I cannot wait to share all of the golden nuggets in today's episode with you all. But first, you hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds on the show, especially in this segment. If this is a new term to you or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or why you should join one or how much they are, where you can find them, all those different types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free, so there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to freemmcourse.com slash enroll, freemmcourse.com slash enroll to grab that course. It's totally free and start that today. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another topic episode here on the Build Network podcast. Today, starting just a really short series, a two-part series about podcasting. Um, so today, we're featuring Omar Zenholm, Chris Gillibo, and Michael O'Neill. Omar is the founder and host of the $100 MBA show, which is consistently a top show in iTunes. And he also runs a really cool company called Webinar Ninja. It's a SaaS product that helps people build out and run their own webinars. Also a super, super stand-up dude. Spend a lot of time with him out in Australia, him and his better half, Nicole. And uh, just love those guys, love what they're up to. And Omar has a lot of great things to say about podcasting. And then we have uh, Michael O'Neill who is the host and founder of the Solopreneur Hour, which has been a longstanding podcast talking to many of the top entrepreneurs out there in the space. And uh, one thing I love about Michael is his respect for the podcasting platform. The guy just knows his stuff and he definitely takes it seriously and is very professional about it. And then we bring on Chris Gillibo, who is a best-selling author and a lifestyle and a travel blogger actually before he started his podcast, which now has is just always consistently on the top charts in iTunes, which is Side Hustle School, where he highlights different people who have their own side hustles going on. They're not guests. He doesn't interview or anything like that. He just does studies and, and finds stories of people who are making anywhere from an extra thousand or two a month on their side hustle just to help pay the bills to people who've actually turned it into their full-time business that are making upwards of 50, 60, $70,000 a month on uh, a, something that just started out as their side hustle. So all three of them, so amazing things to say about podcasting and the platform itself and the power of podcasting as well. But really quick before we get into that, I opened up a few days on my calendar recently for some VIP days to help people get their podcast out into the world. So if podcasting or growing or monetizing your podcast are on the top priority, top of your priority list for 2019, then this is the most valuable investment that I have available. You'll spend a whole day out with me out here in Vegas. Um, we'll get all of our meals together. We'll hang out, have a good time, but we'll also put together a foolproof strategy for your podcast, whatever stage of your podcasting journey that you're on. So if you're interested in this experience at all, head over to travischapel.com slash coaching to apply. And hopefully I will see you here in Vegas really soon. And now without any further ado, here is podcasting part one with Omar Zenholm, Chris Gillibo, and Michael O'Neill. At this point, you're traveling, you're blogging, all that kind of stuff. You get back from doing all this stuff. Is that when you really decided to sit down and start the podcast? Or how did the podcast come about? Yeah, podcast came about because, well, I don't know, man, like three years ago, if you had asked me, like, say I'm a terrible futurist, because if you'd asked me like three years ago, like, what do you think about podcasts? I would be like, well, you know, I've done a bunch of podcast interviews, but I really feel like it's kind of a niche thing and like, it's going to go away, you know, so obviously like I was totally wrong. Maybe last year, last year I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this concept of side hustles. Uh, I've been writing about it for eight years, but I'm really going to go all in with it. So I'm going to do my next book about it. So I'm going to do a big tour, but I feel like I need something more. And so that's when I started thinking about, okay, I'm going to do like an, a daily show. I want to do like a daily show, you know, every single day, seven days a week, no breaks. I, want, I need my own little format. And so I had to come up with something different because, you know, everybody in the world has been doing a podcast, you know, as you know. And so I had to find some way to stand out. And so that's why I did that. I like, I like the challenge of it. I like doing it short formats. It's every episode is 10 minutes or less every day. I'm telling a story of somebody who starts a side hustle without quitting their day job and what happened along the way and like how they got the idea and how much money they made and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that was, that was kind of the impetus for it. And I have to say like for anybody who's listening, it really is like, I've been doing stuff for a while. Like I've been, like, I wasn't unknown or whatever, but the podcast really has kind of taken my little world to a whole other level. So I was surprised to see like how many folks out there just 
really respond to this kind of content. And I, I assume you've probably seen that as well, Travis. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Definitely, definitely. And 2 million downloads a month is not a small number. How did you ramp up to that? Was there any like specific strategy that you used? It's pretty much my cat every day, like just kind of pressing the download button, like with her paw, you know, I kind of rigged up this thing where if she presses the download button, like every hundred times she gets a treat, essentially. <laughs> so she's kind of motivated, like she sleeps half the day and the rest of the day, she's just downloading cycles from school pretty Slave much like cats, nonstop. Though. Slave cats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I mean, she gets, you know, she gets fed. I mean, she gets paid, <laughs> paid essentially. Yeah. Um, so there was that strategy. And then there was also probably like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a terrible marketer. I don't really like have like marketing strategy or tactics, like, I guess my, my strategy was to come up with something that was original and a little different and, uh, you know, to kind of really invest in that messaging and to really like, I spent six months basically last July to December, let's say like three or four months, like pretty intensive, like thinking about the show and working on the show and drafting scripts and trying different formats and like lining up my first 30 episodes and, and all of that. And when I was doing all that, I didn't talk about it at all. So it was like the opposite of what you hear about, like the pre-launch stuff. You got to like hype people up and like, you know, anticipation. I just, I kept it completely quiet. And it was just like, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to build something that I think has quality. And uh, then we're going to put it out. So it's not like I'm afraid to talk about my stuff. It's not like I don't believe in marketing. But I guess for me, for this project, it really was like, let me make sure I really get the targeting right. It's like, I know who I'm trying to talk to. I'm not just so, not necessarily trying to talk to entrepreneurs with this show. I'm trying to talk to people who have like regular jobs and are busy and like they don't necessarily want to quit their job and become a quote unquote entrepreneur, but they, they want more income. They want a, they want a second source of, of income coming in. that's not coming from their paycheck. And I think I know how to do that for people. So I think it was thinking about it, being intentional and really working hard on it. That was my marketing strategy. And what's been the most surprising, um, 
plus or, or pro that's come from the podcast, something that you weren't really expecting, but has really, really mm-hmm. surprised you? It really does go back to that um, discoverability thing and just reaching new folks that, uh, that I hadn't, hadn't reached or been in contact with at all in, in seven years of, of blogging and speaking and doing lots of other formats. Um, I started hosting these workshops earlier this year, and it was really fascinating because there would be people coming to these workshops and they had never heard of me until like, uh, you know, a month before with the show or something. And I thought that was great. It's not like I'm you know, trying to be famous or whatever. And I don't mean to suggest that most people have heard of me, but normally if I do a meetup or an event, like people have been following me for years or whatever. And so it was really great, really great to actually see a mix of people, you know, who had been with me for a while, but then also folks who just discovered me through the show. And, and now it's almost like, I, maybe also I was like searching for a new identity. Like this is a little bit deeper, but I had been that guy who went to every country in the world and that was great, but I don't want to live off that. You know, I want something, you always want to be thinking about what's next. And so I've done, done some other stuff, but I think this since, since I've completed that quest, this is probably then the most significant thing that it's like, Oh, this is the guy who produces that, you know, side hustle school daily podcast. He's going to a hundred cities. You know, he has the new books. So that's kind of helped me a lot. Did podcasting kind of help you get out to meet more people um, as far as mm. versus blogging? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't know about that because like I have been in contact with lots of people. Like I am, I am first and foremost an author. Like even though I love podcasting medium, as we've been saying, like, you know, for me, writing books is probably the most important thing that, that I do. And so I've been in contact with lots of other authors for a long time. Um, and then through the events that, that I produced. So I don't know if I got to meet a lot of other people, but it's just more about like a different group of people. Different sphere, yeah. It's a general expansion, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about where you came from on the podcasting journey. How did you get into that? And how, where has it taken you to the point where we're at today? Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me, man. I do appreciate that. It was a circuitous route, as I think much of our careers are. I was a web guy and a branding guy for 15 years. And then I had just a major personal shift in my life and decided to stop working and doing client-based work anymore. So in 2009, I really started over again and started learning as much as I possibly could about everything I possibly could as far as running your own business and being a solopreneur and that kind of thing. And I ended up in a network marketing company of all things Hmm. because I had so much social media experience. And at the time, it was a very baby boomer led kind of business. I was super successful really quickly because nobody else was doing what I was doing online in that space at that time. It was very sort of fertile ground to do really good social media engagement and that kind of thing. So I did that. And one of the guys at the company, well, first of all, the company themselves said, we like what you've been doing on social media. Would you be willing to share that with the rest of the field? And I was like, yeah. So they sent me, I, I went all around the country, US and Canada for about a year and went to 17 different cities and trained people on how to use social media to grow their business. Okay. And that was really my first kind of live training experience. And then I don't know what it was probably like 2011. One of the guys in the company said, Hey, um, I have a YouTube question. Can you help me? And I said, yeah, but I can help you, but we should really think about growing your brand because I've seen this guy speak in front of 10,000 people and it's dead silent. And he's an amazing speaker. And he said, well, how do I do that? And he go, what about a podcast? And he was like, what's a podcast? And I was like, well, it's like a radio show, but it's, you know, you uh, do it online. And so I ended up, because of my previous design and branding experience, I created this show called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And that was really my first foray into podcasting in early 2012. And I was all that he would, he spoke into the mic. I did everything else. Gotcha. And gotcha. like all the web stuff, all the editing, all the everything. I did that for like 18 months. And somewhere in the middle of that, 
he was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, <laughs> and as, as you do. And he couldn't do the show. Like we thought we had enough shows in the queue that we could get over it, but we were short. And so I said, you know what, let me just jump online and I'll do a quick 45 minutes on how to grow your business with social media. So really essentially what I'd previously taught. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, hit record and I did the show and I hit stop and I was like, huh, that was easy. You know, that felt, (laughs) that felt good. And then I got a bunch of emails from people like, you should do that. That should be a thing you do. And I said, oh, all right. And so fast forward a month or two later and it had never really codified. I was just sort of like, yeah, I should do a show. I don't know what it's going to be. And I ended up having lunch with Pat Flynn, who does smartpassiveincome.com. Okay. He lives here in San Diego. We had lunch and we talked about everything. We talked about girls and cars and fashion and, and life and politics and, you know, as you do for a couple of hours. And we were leaving the restaurant and he stopped in the doorway and he turned to me and he said, dude, thank you. I never get to do that. I always am talking about SPI. And so I thought, wouldn't that be an interesting idea for a show? What if I did a show that really talked around everything that these people are known for and really got to know who they are so people could relate to them as humans versus kind of this data-driven idea that a lot of entrepreneurial shows have gone with. And so, you know, my goal is if it's on their about page, I don't want to talk about it because it's already out there. Hmm. And I wanted these, I kind of think of it as inside the actor studio, but for entrepreneurs and although some, I do have actors and comedians and athletes and things like that on, but it's more about the deep dive and the real conversation than it is me thinking, how am I giving value right now? I'm just thinking, how am I entertaining? Is this a good conversation? Yeah. And yeah. so far that was four years and almost 10 million downloads ago. So we're on the right track. I was going to say, so you started that back in 2013. Now you're coming up close to 10 million downloads in that period of time. Walk us through, this is one question I get a lot from people when I tell them that I, Hey, look, I'm starting a podcast. And they're like, okay, good for you. But I mean, is that a hobby? Is that a job? Do you make money on that? Can you, because I know that you were really, really brilliant about the way that you went about monetizing the show. Can you talk into that for a second? Like, how did you take this following and these downloads and turn it into actual cash in your pocket so that you could be a solopreneur and pay your bills that way? Well, first and foremost, I think you have to go into it assuming that that's not going to be the case. That's the only way to, to really make it work. You can't, especially with a podcast and how flighty they are and how... I mean, you have just as much of a chance of creating a hit podcast as you do a hit TV show. I mean, really, honestly. And and I don't know that people realize that. And I wouldn't call mine, mine's not a smash hit, but mine's like, you know, mine's like CSI Miami. It'll be on for nine (laughs) seasons and everyone on the show did well, but it's not like this. You're not going to go, oh, that's going to win a hundred Emmys. So in my case... The only intention was I really wanted to have conversations with these people. That was, and that's the truth. I didn't think about anything. I, there, I had no illusions of what this thing was going to do and how it was going to open doors. In fact, when I started it, I was perfectly fine being a behind-the-scenes guy still with the kick-ass life. That's a good gig. If someone can just speak into a microphone and you can do all the other stuff, you have the capability to do all the other stuff, you can make a pretty good living. I was yeah. charging like 10K to help people launch podcasts and really get them professionally done versus Mm. just kind of like talking to your iPhone. And so I was living a decent life. It was fine. But yeah, a lot of things changed fairly quickly. And within the first couple of months, I started getting emails. It was kind of like a bit of a wax on wax off thing. I didn't know how much I knew. 
Do you know what I mean? Right, like I right. had it seemed like common knowledge to you, but it really wasn't at all. Yeah, maybe. I hadn't realized how much I had learned, not only in my design and branding career, but with the social media after that, and then psychology on top of that, and just moving an audience through a, an energy. I knew a lot about stand-up comedy. I'm a big stand-up comedy guy. And there's nobody that can change the energy of an audience quicker or better than a stand-up. Oh, so, man. you know, when you're talking about being on a microphone or speaking in front of an audience, even in an entrepreneurial way, you have to remember that you are in media at that point. You are a broadcaster. Hmm. And because I come from a family of entertainers, I realized that this is showbiz and this is entertainment needs to come first. Entertainment trumps everything. And if you don't believe me, think about growing up and think about your favorite teachers. Is it because they knew more than everybody or is it because they were fun? Because they told great stories. So don't give me that, that, oh, this person's brilliant. I know a lot of brilliant, really boring people. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) who would never be any kind of personality. So personality really had to lead the way. And so while I'm having these conversations with people, I chime in because I can't stop talking. And people would write me and be like, hey, do you do any coaching around this stuff? And I was like, no, I don't. Sorry. You know, and then I would recommend them to a couple of my friends. Yeah. And then I think I said that 39 times. And the 40th time, they were like, do you do any coaching around that? I'm like, of course I do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I have a total a whole thing. And I just started seeding out on the show. Hey, you know, when I'm trying to learn something new, and right now I'm doing this with automation, like Zapier and all kinds of stuff, I'm, I am what I would call in the lab. So when I'm learning about something, I get really deep into it. It can be, it was cryptocurrency a couple months ago. And Mm. now I'm like into this automation stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the lab. And you can't stop me. Like I'm watching a million YouTube videos. I'm diving into all the, I'm really learning it. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. The show's called the Solopreneur Hour. So if I have this little coaching group, I'll call it Solo Lab. And that's kind of a fun little brand thing that I created. So I seeded it on the show and just said, hey, if anybody's interested, I'm thinking about starting this kind of group coaching thing. It's going to heavily involve me. So it's going to be a little different than a lot of the other ones you know about. And if anyone's interested, here's a little landing page. Sign up and we'll do a little 15-minute Skype call together. So that's lesson number one. So for anybody that's trying to monetize anything out in the world or create a group or whatever, first of all, they have to tell you they're ready for it. So there was a demand. I got email after email after email. So I knew that there was a demand there. The second thing was people vote with their wallet. So you have no idea if people are going to be interested in or if you should even pursue it. But what you can do is you can ask them. So I really went the one-to-one belly-to-belly version of asking them and just said, sign up. It's a little 15-minute Skype call. I ended up doing three days of them total. And it was like eight-hour days. I think I talked to like 41 people or something over the course of the three days. And my idea of what I was going to do with the lab prior to talking to them was almost 180 degrees different than what it was by the time I was done talking to them. So they told me what they really needed. Hmm. And it just kept coming back to community. And I was like, all right, so I was going to do all of this stuff and really make it extensive. And I realized that I had been, I had shot so far over the mark of what they really needed. So I said, okay, at the end of these calls, I was like, all right, if I started this thing next week, are you a definite yes, definite no, definite maybe? And they were like, I think I got 17 yeses. And I said, all right, 17, yeah, I wanted 10. That was my number. Yeah. If 10 people said yes, I would do it. 
then I would go through the trouble of creating not a membership site per se, but I was using S2 member. I had to configure the plugin, connect it to PayPal, all that kind of stuff and create a Facebook group and all that, whatever. Mm -hmm, And so I said, I'll I'll do it for 10. And I launched it. I gave some urgency to it. I I had an incentive that said, hey, if if you're the first 10 people that sign up, I'll do two 30-minute coaching calls with you in addition to this Facebook group that you get to join. And it was 300 bucks a quarter. So it wasn't super expensive. Yeah. And I got, I think 13, I got 13 in the first hour or something like that. I said, sweet. So now I'm, I got a thing called Solo Lab. And by a month later, really, it was like five weeks later, six weeks later, I think I had 70 in oh, the group. Wow. wow. Yeah. And it was crazy. And I didn't expect that at all. But all of a sudden, the podcast went from being a, just a podcast to now it was, at least in an auxiliary way, I was earning six figures a year. Right. right. So I was like, whoa, that was a thing. And then you know, a month later, GoDaddy called and said, hey, we want to start advertising on your show. We like your group. We like your vibe. And then they bought me out for the year. And that was like, all right, so now this is legit. Now, not only is it a six-figure show, but it's like, we're barking into multiple six figures for this thing. And, And yeah, that opened some doors. And then as I've been further along, you know, you go through a spike, right? The show has a big hit. It was a big hit for a while. And now it's leveled out for the last couple of years. But now there's reputation and there's speaking gigs and there's programs that I create. And, you know, I still have a long, loyal listenership, but there was never a monetization plan around it. And this is where I think you have to be innovative with how you present what you do and how you can connect with the audience that you're trying to connect with. Looking back, do you think you waited a little bit too long to start monetizing? No, it was quick. It was like three months. It was that fast, like right from when you started, you just had- I started in August. I launched Soul Lab in December 6th. Wow, wow. So September, October, November, yeah, it was like three and a half months. So, so then, no, so I don't. Then you, so then you started it, then three months <laughs> you started this program, and then three months after that, it was a six-figure business. Like a mo- month, four months in, let's see, August, September, October, November, December, within five months, it was six figures. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, but it's also super outliery. Right, you know? yeah, that, but, that's what I was going to ask next. Is, well, and here's the thing. The difference is- is that, I mean, again, take this in the spirits that it's intended, but I, I have the chops for it. So yeah. like when people are like, oh, you, do you listen back to your first few shows? And you're like, oh God, that's awful. I'm like, no, they sounded good. <laughs> like I'm not, they, they, they do. They don't sound that much different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. Nor am I, like I do a thing on Friday. And again, I'm trying, I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to be egoy about this, but I think our industry is full of people that are, that kind of jump on trend bandwagons and start mm-hmm. companies around them. Yeah. And don't really have the chops to back them up. Hmm. You know, I do a thing on Fridays called Free Coaching Friday and people write me whatever questions they want. Some are about business, some are about life, some are about music, some about relationships, whatever it is. I never read them before I read them live on the show and I never edit my show. So my Hmm. show is always, I hit record and I hit stop and whatever happened in between that hour is what the show is. So that in and of itself is kind of rare. Right. Right. Just being able to do that, because I think of my show as like a live 60s radio or television show. That's how I've always thought about it, where it's on me. I got to be a good host. I got to know what my guest is all about. I've got to run the show. I've got to be, you know, the onus is on me to be a good host. I got to know their links. I got to share the stuff with them or with my audience. I got to tell my audience where to find them regularly on the show. I do all the stuff that an old school radio guy would do that I don't feel like a lot of people are doing currently. They're leaving it up. Remember, we just talked right Mm -hmm. before we started recording. I told you about my little course 
And you were like, yeah, just promote it. I'm like, that's not my job. Totally your job. That is your <laughs> job. You're the host. Yeah. And so I'm really adamant about that because I make my living now out of this. And right. what I don't want to happen is I don't want somebody to be listening, you know, to morning radio or NPR or Howard Stern or whatever, and then flip over to podcasts and go, oh, that's what this is. And feel this huge dip in professionalism and quality and sound quality and all that stuff. I want it to be one to one. I want them to feel like, oh, I'm getting the same quality from this as I am from my regular experience. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so that's why I'm like a real nerd about it. Yeah, <laughs> and and a quick question off of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, as far as podcasting goes now, because you started this back in 2013, immediately yeah. monetized it up to a six figure business. Coming into now, we're 2017. Now there's, well, what, a half a million, I think, podcasts out there on the market. Do you think that it's the same possibility now to create a show to be able to monetize that quickly and that well? Yes, but it is hyper-dependent on the niche of the show. Okay. So two examples of that. So one of my hobbies is I'm a real like hi-fi stereo nerd, like two-channel you know, if I ask you, when's the last time you listened to an album top to bottom, I bet it's been 10 years. Well, at least that's most people's answer. Oh, yeah. So I really nerd out on really experiential music listening again. And I didn't know anything about it a few years ago. And then I was exposed to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I had forgotten how amazing it is to sit with in front of a great stereo and listen to your favorite music. It's just awesome. It's an awesome human experience. You grab, grab on a bottle of wine. It's a good day at the office. So I really got into that. I nerded out about it. And I was at one of the audio shows about a year and a half ago. And I went to, I was driving home from LA back to San Diego. And I was like, oh, I want to jump on and listen to a podcast about it. And it didn't exist. I'm like, how is this possible? These guys argue, the friendships end because one guy uses silver stranded speaker wire and the other guy uses copper wound speaker wire. And neither of them apparently knows what they're talking about. So, and they, they yell at each other about stupid stuff like that. And so I was like, well, it's crazy. I'm still kind of a beginner, but, and I'm also kind of a no BS guy. So if it sounds better to me, and this is a world where it's so, it's 95% BS where, you know, people are like doing just the most insane things and the money that people spend on these things is crazy. A quarter million dollars, $500,000 for two speakers and some amps and a record player or something. Crazy. It's like, what are you nuts? So it didn't exist. And so I'm, I was like, I'm going to start a show. I'm going to call it Beginner Audiophile. And I'm going to take people from the big box stores to the snooty stereo shops. Like I'm going to get some understanding around that. So I launched it. Super hobby. I'm doing it twice a month. As of this weekend, I will have monetized that to like 50K a year. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm really working on that right now. I'm actually working on the website and the whole structure. I don't think it's going to be that hard for me to get that show to six figures. So that's one. because. It's an audience that loves to talk about the gear. People are very interested in it. And dude, they love to spend money. They love to spend money. So you get these guys that are, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they go, oh, I remember what it was like to be, you know, 1983 and listening to a Genesis album. And now all it is is Pandora, you know, and Spotify, which sounds awful compared to what it really is supposed to sound like. So if I can get those guys to buy some gear and whatever... I've got all kinds of affiliate plays. I've got advertisers that want to be right in front of this targeted audience that has money. There's a million ways that this can be monetized. Yeah. You know, and then my buddy Joel Com just launched the Bad Crypto Podcast and cryptocurrency is so popular right now. They're like, what are they, six weeks in, maybe seven weeks in? 
and he they're about to get a mil, they're about to hit a million downloads. No way. Yeah. Wow. So they're doing all kinds of really inventive monetizing plays. So the answer to your question is it's very possible. It's not very possible if you want to start the next entrepreneur type show, hmm. but it's very possible if you want to do something where you're an expert or you're really interested in a certain thing and there's other people that are interested in it and they will jump on. Yeah. Yeah. So niche and then niche and niche some more. Yeah. Niche until it hurts. Kind of like uh, what our mutual friend, John Lee Dumas always talks about. You got to niche down and find that group of people because it's, it seems counterintuitive because if you're like, well, if I just talk about everything, then everybody will listen. And that's just not the way that it works. Let's fast forward a few years. And now you're sitting there and you created a podcast before the $100 MBA show, right? Yeah. Talk to us about that one and kind of some of the lessons that you took into the $100 MBA show to make it to the success that it's been today. Sure. So Nicole, my wife and co-founder, we really loved podcasts as listeners. Like we listened to podcasts really early on. And we went to a conference called the New Media Expo Conference in Vegas at the time. And you know, podcasting was just starting out, I think it was like 2012 or 2013, like not starting out, but it started to become popular. People were like, yeah. oh, you should start a podcast. This is like the new medium. It's like the new YouTube, all that stuff. Right. And we're like, oh, cool. Like at that conference, we realized, oh, it's not that difficult to create a podcast or like it's not as complicated as we thought it was. So what we did is we were interviewing entrepreneurs on video, like with Skype calls and including it as a part of our $100 MBA course. And we got to interview some really great entrepreneurs, including like people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Peel, people like that. And it was really, really great to get to know these people, even for a short period of time. But people were like giving us this weird advice, like, oh, you already have these interviews, just rip the audio out and make it a podcast. Or like, oh, wow, you could do that. We can repurpose it. Great. Obviously, that's not how podcasting works. You know, video lends itself for visuals and you know, we're gesturing to things that don't even matter on audio. And the point is, is that like, it was just, you know, you can't half-ass it. It wasn't so great. I mean, the podcast was called People Who Know Their SHIT. And mm. it was crap, you know, it wasn't great. And unfortunately, we tried it for 46 episodes. And then we interviewed people just audio podcast style. You know, we stopped doing the ripping of the audio and we really tried to make it succeed. But it wasn't really getting the traction we wanted. You know, I think on the best day of our lives, we had like 400 downloads and that's not a bad thing, especially if you're comparing it to like blog posts. A lot of people don't get 400 visitors on a blog post. So, but it wasn't what we were looking for in terms of growth. So after 46 episodes, we decided, okay, we need to regroup. Why is this not working? Why is this not, you know, getting the traction we want? And Nicole and I were on a road trip. We had a gig in New York. So we, we were in San Diego at the time. We were living in San Diego and we drove cross country and we had a lot of time in the open road to just like discuss this topic. And it was, it was a little bit painful because we put a lot of work into this podcast and really tried it. I gave it a good go, but it wasn't working. So at the end, we kind of realized, you know, we're not really utilizing our strengths. You know, like I have, you know, at the time I had 13 years of teaching experience in the classroom. You know, both of us have masters in education and it's just like, okay, we should be teaching on the podcast. Why are we interviewing people? We're not good at interviewing. We don't have any kind of experience in that. When it comes to teaching, if I look at iTunes, I don't think there's anybody who could teach better than me. Hmm. So I should really leverage that strength. And I also noticed that a lot of people would ask me over the years, you know, oh, you built a website, you built a business. How do you do that? And it was all that kind of a getting started. How do you take it and monetize it? How do you make sure that 
you get to the point where it's your thing, where you actually live off your business. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we got the idea for the $100 MBA show. And the reason why it's called the $100 MBA show is because obviously we have a program called the $100 MBA, but you know, I went to Wharton Business School and I was making the transition out of education into business mm-hmm. because I thought I needed my MBA to feel like a real entrepreneur. And after one semester, my professor pulled me over and said, hey, what are you doing here? Like, you know, you're a little older than everybody else. And why are you getting your MBA? It's like, oh, I'm getting my MBA so I can be a great entrepreneur. <laughs> and he was sure he just shook his head. He was kind of like disappointed and shocked, kind of like, you know, you don't get an MBA to be a great entrepreneur. You get an MBA so you can get like a middle management job at Morgan Stanley or like Goldman Sachs or something. And I was like, Oh, and he's like, yeah, you, you know, we don't have a monopoly on education. You can learn this stuff in other books. You can take this money and start a business and learn the hard way. You know, you already had businesses in the past. You're running a business. So I was like, and it's kind of a light bulb moment for me. Like how many people are going to business school thinking they have to do that to learn business? And it was kind of like our answer to like the $100,000 investment people make in getting an MBA. So we started the $100 MBA. So we built the podcast with the same name and we really you know, spent two solid months doing nothing but producing this podcast. You know, we produced episode one like 10 or 12 times just to make sure it's right. And, you know, it's a daily podcast. So we had to really batch it as much as possible. So we had like 30 episodes before we even launched on launch day. And it was just a lot of fun building this podcast. And I I knew when we were recording this podcast, that it's going to be a success because I just felt like this stuff is good. When you create something great, when you do something great, I mean, you played basketball, Travis, like when you know you're shooting a shot that's going to go in, you know it's going to go in. You just know it's coming off your hands right. right and that's right. how we felt with the show before we even released it. So when it was successful and, and then after four months, we won Best of iTunes. I mean, that was incredible for us because we were nobodies. No one knew right. we were in podcasting. And plus, it was a very competitive year. Tim Ferriss and Startup and all these people were amongst those podcasts that launched at the same time. And we only had four months to kind of get traction and, and get... Apple's attention. But right. I think we just focused on our strengths and we're able to deliver. That's so, so key. So important is to double, triple down on your strengths. Stop worrying about getting decent at everything and just like focus on just getting really good at the things that you're already naturally really good at. And I like that you brought that up. One thing I really, I wanted to ask on really quick, and then we're going to switch the conversation to talk just about networking relationships and stuff. But how did you know, like, what was the line between giving up on your first podcast and just knowing that it wasn't going to work and being able to stop and move on. Because I think knowing that line is such a science because I think a lot of people will give up too soon, but I also think a lot of mm. people will hold on too long and romanticize a connection with something and try to force it to work when the market just isn't taking it. Do you have any insights? Yeah. On that? I mean, two things. One, you have to give anything you know, at least six months. And when I say six months, you got to give enough time every day to work on it. Like if you say, I want to start a business and you dedicate an hour a week, that's not enough. You know, you need to put in, you know, 10, 15 hours a week, at least 20 hours a week, you know, just try to see if it's going to have traction and at least give it six months to see if it's got any kind of legs. The other thing you got to look at is trends. Like if the trend, like for us, the podcast, we saw the trend wasn't going up. Like we were, our listenership wasn't increasing. In fact, it was decreasing. And that was continuing week after week. And we're like, okay, there's something we have to do because this is not working. You know, this is like, it's not like going up and down, up and down. It's just going down. So trends are something you have to look at. You got to see what's happening, whether that's sales or traffic or listenership or whatever it is. 
Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free. So there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.